Underway on this Friday, February 23rd. The last Friday of February is here with Vickers of NHL.com. My name is Pat Steinberg. Welcome to this hour of Flames Talk and welcome to the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Simplify your life with a security ecosystem. Go to CalgaryLockandSafe.com to request a security audit and get a tailored solution. Hello, Vic. Hello, Patty. Happy Friday, pal. You too. This hour of Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op where life's in store. And uh, Saturday's Battle of Alberta all of a sudden shapes up rather interestingly. Hey, Flames have won two in a row, both against some of the top teams in the league. Beat the Jets on Monday, the Bruins on Thursday. And uh, I think, I, I dare say, it's reeled some fans back in. It's, uh, I, I, I don't think that it has swayed the staunch rebuild crowd or the staunch trade player X, player Y crowd. But I do think that for some, and this is by no means a criticism, but for some who have been, you know, kind of riding the highs and lows, I think last two games probably reeled some people back in say, man, when these guys play well, they look really good, and they can go toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in the NHL. So what's it going to do for some? They go into Edmonton on Saturday night, make it three straight wins, and rattle off the Jets, Bruins, and Oilers in one week. That's really going to reel some people back in. Again, I know there are, and, and everybody's opinion is valid, and they all make sense where things are right now. So for some Eh, nothing's changing. For some, they're going to stay steadfast in in their belief of the way the team should go. But I do think there are some who have kind of been riding that gray area, and the way the team's played this week, I think that it it can be somewhat convincing for some people. Yeah, they've certainly, if they're able to topple the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday, that's, that's a heck of a week for the Calgary Flames, and it almost screams even more at missed opportunity when you come out and you get doubled up by the San Jose Sharks, you get shut out by the Detroit Red Wings, but then you beat two of the top teams in the league and have a chance to talk, take down a third. And it kind of bears out the narrative of playing up to the level of competition or playing down to the level of competition. I haven't fully done the math, but the Flames have something like a 660 points percentage against top five teams in the league and somewhere around a 380 points percentage against the bottom five. Just scrap that. Put that all aside. It might just be convenient narrative. There might be something to it. Regardless, doesn't matter when it comes to the Battle of Alberta because that's just a different level in terms of who the opposition is, what you're able to kind of put on the ice in terms of the emotion level and all that. And it does tee up a very interesting end to a very strong week for the Calgary Flames. And honestly, a text line's open at 960-960. Curious as to, again, as we're approaching the final quarter of the season, we're into the final third of the season. Um, 
Hey, I'm curious as to how you're riding the roller coaster, if you're riding the roller coaster, or if you are pretty mm, pretty set on your beliefs in terms of what this team should do, what this team needs to do. Again, another good week that I think has the potential to reel some people back in on the hope scale. And honestly, would it surprise anybody with the way things have gone if the Flames went into Edmonton and beat the Oilers on Saturday night? And I say that because, no word of a lie, I have the text to prove it. Um, I was texting with Mick, Megan Mickelson. We were getting set for the the Winnipeg game on Monday. Um, and on the Sunday, we were just doing some prep. And, um, and I just texted her. I said, guarantee you they beat the, the Jets, Bruins, and Oilers and win three Ooh. in a row this week. I have the text to prove it. And not because I had some inkling or, or some premonition, but because... It's just the way things have gone of late. You know, the, oh, middle of the road or, or bottom of the barrel teams, those are the nights they seem to have issues. This group's got no issue getting up for good teams as they showed again against Boston. Now, this game against the Bruins on Thursday was a whole lot more competitive than the last one. Um, they definitely needed Jacob Markstrom to put forward a Vesna Trophy caliber type game for them to get out of there with two points, to get out of overtime with the win. They needed Jacob Markstrom far more than they did against Boston uh, in Boston, but Again, they went toe-to-toe with one of the best yep. teams in the NHL for the second time in a month. And sometimes you need your best players to be your best players. Well, who had the overtime goal? Nazem Kadri, your leading scorer, who made three saves on grade-A chances in overtime and got bailed out a little bit by a post on a fourth attempt. Jacob Markstrom, your argue, well, no, undisputed MVP of the season to this point so far. So when the game was on the line, you had your two best players giving you exactly what you needed out of them. And even through the course of 60 minutes, the Calgary Flames just played a really strong game. Wasn't like 16, 17 days ago when you caught the Boston Bruins in Boston coming out of the All-Star break a little bit in vacation mode. They were ready for it regardless of the fact that it was the second of back-to-back games for them. That was a highly competitive game. And the encouraging thing is the Flames didn't, like, they didn't goalie the Boston Bruins, in my opinion. Markstrom played... Very outstanding for sure. But it wasn't like the five guys at any given time on the ice in front of them were absolute just swimming the entire game. Like the Calgary Flames put forth a competitive effort. And yes, sometimes you need your goalie to be your best player, and he was, but that was a team effort as well, in my opinion. The the so I don't think it would surprise anybody if they went out and beat Edmonton on Saturday, the way things have gone, the way this narrative has gone. Um and, and I wonder what that does for the belief inside that room that we know is already strong. Like they believe that they should be a playoff team. They believe that they're still in this thing. And, and despite the fact that some on the outside don't believe that or some on the outside are resigned to them being uh, a, a non-playoff team this year, which they still could very well be. I mean, their chances of making the playoffs from a statistical standpoint are still lower than other teams in this conversation. But... The Flames fully believe they're in this. They fully believe in their ability to go out and beat good teams. Uh, I asked Blake Coleman after an optional practice on Friday morning, you know, what a win over the Oilers would do to already some strong belief right now. It's a team that if you if you want to go to the playoffs and you want to go on a run in the playoffs, that's a team we're most likely going to face at some point. So, um, you know, it's time for us to start winning games in this rivalry and um you know it's been frustrating losing to a team like this that we feel like we can beat and um you know tight game last time here in this 
building, but came up short. And like I said, we got to find ways to to beat this team. And and uh, if we want to go anywhere, you know, meaningful, then this is the team we got to get by. See, Blake Coleman's talking about meeting the Oilers in the playoffs. Blake Coleman's talking about we want to go on a deep run. We got to be the. That's where the Flames' mindset is right yeah. now. Whether you whether that's where your mindset is or not. This is not window dressing. This is not smoke being blown. The Flames are dialed on this playoff race. The Flames fully believe they'll be playing past mid-April. All of these things. Um, and so it just it's I'm I'm really interested to see. I mean, the Oilers are on the second half of a back-to-back. Oilers play Friday night, the the rare home home back-to-back. They play Friday against the Wild, then Saturday against the Flames. So I guess Calgary's got an opportunity to catch him ish on a back-to-back. It's a little less um it's a little less problematic. Less taxing. Zero travel on that back-to-back. Still strange. Um, I'm just curious on the text line, how we feeling about the Battle of Alberta. Like, even if you are the staunchest, most ardent, adamant, team tank, card-carrying member, it's still not okay to lose to the Oilers, right? I mean, team tank or, or team playoffs, everybody in Flames Nation, everybody who cheers for this team is on board with beating the Oilers on Saturday night in their building, right? Am I wrong you'd, on that front? You'd have there to Anybody think so. who's like, no, no, no. We gotta lose, including the Oilers. Do you have to turn in your membership card if you're actively rooting for the Oilers? If you're Team Tank on this one, I, I, I feel I like it's close. I feel like there's some sort of. Um, you can be less sad. That, that, you can be less sad yeah. if the Flames lose, it's, but I don't think you can cheer for them to lose to the Edmonton Oilers. One of Oilers. our Cochrane listeners, and I don't remember if it's Matt or Dan. I'm pretty sure it's Dan and Cochrane who uh, keeps on saying, "Enjoy the wins, embrace the losses." It's not a bad way That's to go fair. about it. Like. With, with where they are right now, maybe the losses do sting a little. I mean, I don't think to the Oilers, but, you know, a loss to, like, L.A. on Tuesday or something like that, or had they lost to Boston in overtime on Thursday, maybe it just stings a little less because you know that, you know, this team might be going in a, in a direction that leads them down a non-playoff road if they do trade a number of different people. On the other hand, it's always fun. To, that was a hell of an overtime. I oh. that would have been that would have been an awesome game to be right smack dab in the middle of rooting for your home team. So I like that. If you truly are of the mindset that they need to rebuild right now, enjoy the wins, embrace the losses. I don't mind that at all. It's a no lose situation on Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. In a sense, now if you're a Flames fan and you have some Oilers buddies, perhaps you'll hear it a little bit. But at the same time. Again, if you're Team Tank, maybe coming away from the Edmonton game with no points, maybe you're a little less disappointed. But again, to put it back on the table, you can't actively cheer for the Edmonton Oilers against the Calgary Flames if you're a Flames fan. I feel like that's a faux pas. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that most people enjoy watching them beat the Oilers. Yes. Um, you know, it's 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 just it's been another interesting week. It, it, it's so predictable that they went out and have had two really solid games against two really good teams, and now they've got another really good team, the hottest team in the NHL since what, whenever it was, November. Uh, basically, since Knobloch's taken over, the hottest team in the NHL, best team in the NHL. So uh, that would be three quality wins if the flame would it change? Okay, here's my question to you: Would it change? your opinion of what they should do if they go out and beat the Oilers? No, not at all. Okay, they, can, they, can, they can run the table till March 8th for all I care, and they still shouldn't divert from the plan of trying to maximize returns for your unrestricted free agents because 
I just don't see the scenario where this team goes on a deep run and you can't keep these pending unrestricted free agents. Craig Conroy vowed when he took the job that he wasn't going to be in this situation that they were in with Johnny Gaudreau a couple seasons ago. I don't think you can divert from that path whatsoever, regardless of what happens between now and March 8, whether it's wins against the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday, next week against the Los Angeles Kings, so on and so forth. Yeah. For me, absolutely nothing changes. Uh, okay, text line, 960-960. Sam says, fully aboard on beating the Oilers. Regardless of my feeling thinking they're not a playoff team, I would say play Vladar and not Markstrom due to Markstrom's record in playoffs and regular season against the Oilers has been atrocious. Um, I Look, I, I would be going right back to Jacob Markstrom oh, yeah. with the groove he's in right now. No questions asked. Uh, this says they will be a playoff team as long as they don't trade number 25. More on that later. Um, this says, what does team tank even mean? They aren't going to get a top eight pick no matter what they do. This from Jeff, who says, I think the Flames need to trade Tanev and Hannafin by the deadline, but I'm still hoping they grab, grab a wild card spot. Keep Markstrom. He can be moved in the summer. Maximize returns with the pending UFAs and still go for gold. I'd love to see this team get into the playoffs. Uh, awesome coverage as always. Thank you, Jeff. Brent from Airdrie says, I think they don't make it, but they need to beat the Oilers. Even with playing better, I don't feel the core of this team cares. Uh, I don't know. You 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 try going to tell Blake Coleman or Nazim Kadri <laughs> right now that they don't care. No, I'd rather not. You uh, you, would you I like to sign up and go tell Mackenzie Weger that he doesn't care about results and that he doesn't care about winning games? I would rather not. I think that might upset Mackenzie or Jacob Markstrom. You even imagine tell- the death stare you're going to get. Jacob Markstrom can kill a man with his eyes. He 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 is he is fully he hasn't not, I've seen him I've seen him come close a couple times. He's never done it before, but I am fully convinced that he is fully capable of of killing a human with his eyes. He's looked into the soul of a few media members he this year indeed. and last. He has indeed. And like he's got restraint. Yes. But if he wanted to, those eyes take your soul, you'd you would leave the earth like that. You want to go tell Jacob Markstrom that he doesn't care? <sighs> no, I don't. Nope, not at all. Not even a little bit. Uh, I'm scared this, thinking about it. Me too. Um, this reads, I want a high pick far more than going to the playoffs to get their asses handed to them. However, it's the Oilers. Team Tank takes a backseat to the BOA. Got to beat the Oilers. Uh, this says, I'm team play good and show some effort. Let the chips fall and use good asset management with the UFAs. That's where they're going. They're, they're going to properly manage their assets and they're going to let the chips fall where they may. And you know what, which we're going to get to in just a second, Jacob Markstrom falls under proper asset management. I believe that if they get a trade offer that is too good to refuse, they will go forward with it. If New Jersey steps up to the plate in such a way, if they came up with a um, a medium-sized baseball bat and now they step up with an oversized cartoon baseball bat <laughs> and say, okay, we're ready to swing for this, well, I think Craig Conroy would make that deal because that would be proper asset management. You know what else is proper asset management? Not trading Jacob Markstrom for less than he's worth. So that that plays into it as well. Um, this says, no, they'll follow up that great win Thursday with a stinker versus Edmonton because that's all they've done the last two years. Um, this from Brad in Northwest Calgary. Team tank or not, it's never okay to lose to the Oilers. Um 
This reads, Pat, can we pretend they play the Boston Bruins for the rest of the season so they can beat every team out there? Um, what else we got here at 960-960? Brad in Calgary says, can you please ease my mind and tell me uh, Conroy would ever make would never make deals with division or provincial rivals? Keep seeing terrible trade rumors, and it boggles my mind that people think this would happen. Well, I mean, two of his trades have been made with like their number two rival division Vancouver opponent, yeah, Canucks, yeah, including the, the arguably the return from Lindholm, uh, yeah, and arguably the top forward that was going to be available on the trade market leading into the deadline went to as you mentioned their second biggest rival who is also within the Pacific Division. So, no, if, I'm of the opinion that for a pending unrestricted free agent, you just take the biggest return offered to you, regardless of what team it's from. Yeah. Um, this from Johnny and Millrise. It's Patrick. He just got <laughs> life insurance. Uh, then he says, tanking's not a viable option for this team or Canadian teams outside of Toronto and Montreal. Top-tier players do not want to stay in Canada. Trading top-tier players won't get you the high picks you think. Um, this reads, uh, personally, I can't say I'm on team tank or team playoffs until... I know how deep the 2024 draft is. If there's a big drop-off from the top 10, then I'm on Team Tank. But if there isn't much difference from 10 to 20, then I'm on Team Playoffs. Perhaps Vickers can shed some light. That comes from Mike. This Vickers, is, this dare is, you? Uh, would you like to shed some light on this issue? This is going to be the stupidest thing I've said on radio, and I've said some very stupid things, so buckle up. I really like the top middle of the 10 to 20 range. And then from about 16 onward, I'm not really a salt. So, whoa, wait, you like the guys 10 to 15 more than you like 15 to 20. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I think that there's a drop off somewhere around 15 or 16. So it really depends on where you fall in that range for me. Uh, this says not sure why people are anxious to trade Markstrom either now or in the summer. Do people not remember the post Kiprasov years? I'd say re-sign him if possible. The young guys need to win now and then. Wes and Bowden says, do you think this team will be strong enough to make the playoffs, trading the second pairing, trading the entire second pairing, exposing the weaker defense, even with Markstrom playing at the top of his game? Well, I would argue, and this is no knock on Anderson and Weger, but I would argue that Hannafin Tanev has been their top pairing. Analytically, they have been. Minutes-wise, they kind One, of have One four been. versus two three. Yeah, I mean, the, they, they really have two top pairings, which is good. Um, that That is one of the strengths of this team. I don't even look at Hannafin Tanev. It's a, it's a 1A, 1B situation or 1A, 1A. Like, honestly, I don't see any separation between Tanev Hannafin and Anderson Weger. Um but that's a fair question. We asked Kevin Woodley that question on Thursday. Like, is is Jacob alone, not alone, but is Jacob the type of goalie that will still be able to keep the Flames in the fight if they trade away both those guys, which we are anticipating they're going to? It's going to be a tough ask, but I think he's the type, the way he's playing this year, he's the type of goalie that I think can keep them more competitive than maybe you would think otherwise. Well, what's going to happen is the Calgary Flames are going to give up more high danger chances if and when those two are traded. That's just going to be a fact because you're replacing them with players that aren't at the level that Hannafin and Tanev are. As you mentioned, we're arguing whether or not they're the number one pairing and at worst, they're 1B. Jacob Markstrom is in the 99th percentile among NHL goalies in high danger save percentage. 
But at what point does volume win out over the quality of the saves? Like he's already patched up a little bit of a hole in the dam, if you will, in terms of when the Flames give up a high danger chance, his save percentage is something like 90 points higher than the league average, which is just insane to start with. But then all of a sudden you're giving up maybe 20 or 25% more high danger chances. And that's just a, a ballpark number. I'm pulling out of thin air just based on the, the pairing of Tanev, Tanev and uh, Hannafin yep. to what might be the replacement pair coming into the lineup. At some point, the volume will overwhelm, I think, Markstrom. But at the same time, he's the best at it to this point in the season. Uh, Sarah in YYC says, Pat, the Flames always need to beat the Oilers and Leafs, period. Um, and finally, from Mike in Lake McKenzie, people should take a step. Lake McKenzie, that makes me laugh. Uh, people should take a step back and just enjoy the exciting hockey that's occurred with these young kids. Text lines open at 960-960. It's Steinberg Vickers on Flames Talk. Let's move to Jacob Markstrom because the discourse is not quieting down uh, after the performance he had against Boston. After the perfor- I mean, save the Detroit game when he was... Was it San Jose or Detroit? When he just said Detroit. Save the Detroit game when he got yanked. Jacob Markstrom has had himself another outstanding week. Um, He came in and played well against Winnipeg, shut the door on them after 3-1, was dynamite. I mean, yes, I know he made the gaffe that led to the 1-1 goal, which we'll get to later on the round table, but Jacob Markstrom, uh, full disclosure, you got to put the three stars in. So I, I have the privilege of selecting the three stars in home games most nights, and we have a little group chat, with the PR guys, with the game production staff, um, and and with some of the game night volunteers. And so I, for an overtime game, I send two sets of stars. If the Bruins win or if the Flames win. And at the time, Markstrom was fringe on one of my stars list. But I'm like, well, Shillington scored twice. I mean, that'd be cool for him to be a star. Coyle's got two goals. And I thought Nazem Kadri was the best player on the ice, bar none, no questions asked. So my if the Flames win was one Kadri, two Coil, three Shillington. But as overtime is going on, it's like too late. These are in because you you don't want to like make a change, and then a goal happens ten seconds later, and then everything's all messed up, and then you know certain people and certain intimidating people are upset at you, <laughs> um, and and so. You're like, okay, let's just keep him as is. So that's why Jacob Markstrom was not a star, but he very well could or should have been a star in the game because he was he was that good. And so that game was another reminder of how important Jacob Markstrom is to this team's success. As Kevin Woodley told us, I mean, if you are relying on Vesna Trophy caliber goaltending most nights, like the Flames have gotten from Jacob Markstrom, probably paint somewhat of a picture in terms of the overall group, which just goes back to the Jacob Markstrom's this team's MVP, depending on right. what most athletes or money puck or natural stat trick or evolving hockey, all of them have their own goals above expected metric. And Jacob Markstrom is top one to four in any one of those sites. They all calculated a little bit differently, but his goal saved above expected is ridiculous this year. So it kind of, the same reason is giving two drastically opinions, <laughs> right? Jacob Markstrom being an elite MVP goalie this year has one set of Flames fans saying, 
We need to trade him now. He's our MVP, and he'll the never value be higher. Never be higher, and we can't have this guy, you know, keeping us from a high draft pick. There is that school of thought, which I understand, and then there is the equally valid school of thought that says this guy is our MVP. What are we thinking? How can we trade him? This guy is going to be the only reason we stay competitive. Very valid as well. And the reasons why these opinions are being made stems from the same genesis is that the dude, again, just put together another gem of a performance against Boston. Yeah, and I understand both arguments. Again, he's costing the Flames positioning in the standings by helping them win, and he's keeping them in the chase for one of the wild card spots because he's helping them win. The issue for either side, issue isn't the right way to go about it, but the discourse at the end of the day is Jacob Markstrom is helping this team win whether it's too much from one side or only hope is that he keeps it up for the other side I I get it from both angles for me I think there's a value in keeping him around even beyond this season Um, for me I just look at and we've compared Dustin Wolf a lot to UC Saros and the development path that he, he could follow. And I just go back to how much Pekka Rene was around to help Sorrows. I think they played parts of five seasons together, whether it was Pekka Rene as a starter, whether it was a platoon situation, or when Sorrows eventually took over. I think there's a value there. At the same time, you're right in the sense that his trade value will never be higher. And if it is the New Jersey Devils, for me, they have to blow the doors off of an offer, not just in terms of Oh, for a goalie, because typically goalies don't return much at all. So it can't just be relative to what a regular goalie would get. Mm-hmm. For me, it has to be all the way around on the surface, whether it was a position player or a goalie. The offer is just way too much for me to decline. And until that happens, I'm more than comfortable with Jacob Marshall winning me games if I'm a member of the so Calgary Flames. My, my feeling is very clear on this, too. Do I think Jacob Markstrom should be untouchable? No. But do I think that you need to get exactly what he's worth if you're going to trade him in the next two weeks? Yes. All day, every day. I think you need to get exactly what he's worth. And I don't know if that's going to happen between now and March 8th. Because you should be asking. That is, again, a guy with team control, cost certainty, for a reasonable price based on other number one goalies in the league for two more years, who is having a Vesna Trophy-like season this year, the Flames should have an astronomical asking price, and if the New Jersey Devils or somebody else is willing to meet that price, then 100% Craig Conroy should rubber stamp that deal. But until that price, like I think a similar... I think you should be asking very similar for Noah Hannafin and Jacob Markstrom. If you hit a top prospect first round pick and something else for Jacob Markstrom. Well then you know what? Let's have that conversation. If he's willing to waive his no move clause, all that. Right. He stuff. does have a little say. Otherwise, I don't think it makes one iota of sense. Cause that also is poor asset management to trade a guy having this good a season for less than what he's worth. It's funny. You mentioned Noah Hannafin. Cause I was just going to roll it back in my head and go, who's more important to the Calgary flames this season. Is it Jacob Markstrom or was it Elias Lindholm? Who's given you the better performance? Who's been your MVP? Okay, you saw the return that Elias Lindholm got you. Now factor in, Markstrom's under contract for two more seasons. Vancouver might just have Elias Lindholm for the duration of this season, and then that's it. So the team acquiring Markstrom gets two more bonus years on top of this 
for a player that is more valuable to the Flames at the moment who's turning in a better performance. Now, having said that, that's not necessarily how the goalie market works. And again, I can't recall necessarily the last time a star goalie of Markstrom's caliber moved in and around the trade deadline. But goalies typically aren't going to return a conditional first-round pick, two prospects, uh, another pick, so on and so forth. Andre Kuzmenko, that's not necessarily what a goalie is going to fetch. But if I'm the Calgary Flames going... You want my MVP, my best player, who's under contract for additional term, and you're going to give me less? I might hesitate a little bit. I won't lie. We get it. Goalie mark, you're you're willing to pay less for a goalie. Cool. We're not going to trade him. And I think it's a different conversation come the summertime when we have a different idea or a better idea of what the team is going to look like going forward. But, yeah... It's, uh, I, I just, unless you're going to hit a straight up home run before the deadline, I wouldn't do it in the summertime. I think, and this is where I push back on, well, we got to keep Mark. The keep Markstrom crew is valid, but you also, I think have to take into account what he wants. And if in the summertime, a conversation between Craig Conroy and Jacob Markstrom is had, and the general feel is that I love it. I love it here. I've loved my four years here, but I would rather go to a team if it's available that is ready to win a Stanley cup or closer to being ready to go on runs in the playoffs than the flames are over the next two years. Then I think you make that trade. And I think you start searching a little harder. I just still, I still don't think you put rubber to the road to that extent until the off season, when you fully have that conversation, that's all. And, and cause Jacob's got two years left on his contract. He's 34 years old. He wants to win more than any other human being or as much as any other human being I've seen. I don't want to say more than because there's lots of competitive. Nazem Kadri likes room. to win. Exactly. Kadri, Uyghur, Coleman. So not more than, but in terms of a goaltender, this is as competitive and dialed, there we go, on winning as I've ever seen. I do not believe Jacob would have a, if he had the choice and there were a spot that was going to be closer to winning a Stanley Cup than the Flames will be over the next couple of seasons, I think he would prefer the former if that exists. So I think that does need to be taken into account. And again, I don't think he's going to demand a trade or not play or or purposely be poor if that doesn't happen and there's not a meaningful destination. But I just think that conversation needs to be had in the uh, in the summertime. Yeah, and in the summer, I'm going to imagine he's going to have more input or more desire to go to certain locations than others. If there are multiple teams, it's a little easier in the summer for teams to clear cap space or, or get a better picture of bringing in a goalie and, again, Goalies traded mid-season of Markstrom's caliber, very rare. And we've talked to Kevin Woodley about the period of adjustment required for a goalie because it is different in different systems with different defensemen that you're not familiar with. That just gives more runtime for a goalie to get used. At the same time, if you trade for him now, in theory, you could have three playoff runs with Markstrom versus two. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. This hour of Flames Talk is underway. That's your look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary. Top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you. Only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. As this hour rolls on, it's a Friday with Steinberg and Vickers. 
want to keep the Jacob Markstrom conversation going, but on a different, on a different wavelength and uh, a slightly different line of conversation when it comes to Jacob Markstrom. Welcome back. It's time for the Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The fastest-growing segment of vehicles they sell is electric. Informed buyers are coming to see. Perhaps you should discover why. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. And Derek Wills, voice of the Flames, joins us now to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Don't want to talk about trades. Don't want to talk about where Jacob's going to play after March 8th or where he's going to play next season. Want to talk only about Jacob Markstrom, a member of the Calgary Flames, who is having an incredible season. There was a Jacob Markstrom miscue that led directly to a goal versus Boston in the 3-2 overtime win on Thursday. And I got, I don't know, 5-7 to seven to 10 texts on the Flames Talk postgame show discussing how Jacob needs to stay in his crease. They need to Velcro him to his crease. They need to make sure he doesn't go out and roam and all those types of things. I have a very strong opinion on this particular topic when it comes to Jacob and his puck playing ability. But do we have any issue with how Jacob Markstrom plays the puck? Or do we have any issue with his decision-making and him being a frequent puck handler? This conversation isn't going to get heated like conversations about mike smith used to <laughs> is it um you know what i just we're gonna get ryan pinder on the line and then we'll we'll make sure that it does. <laughs> no i promise it won't oh new good old days huh um no he should not stop playing the puck but he should be a little bit more careful when he does play it uh when he tried to put the puck in the empty net not once but twice and one of those attempts led directly to a goal against. I thought he might learn a lesson there. Um, talked about having to do, I think he said it had, had to do wrist curls or something to get stronger to, to shoot the puck down the ice. And it's funny because in Thursday's game, when he came out to play the puck, didn't it kind of look the same? Like he tried to get it up and out and just kind of fanned on it. And again, led directly to a goal against. But Generally speaking, when he just wanders out of his net into the trapezoid to stop the puck and clear it up the boards or make a short pass to one of his defensemen, he's actually really good at doing that. So I want him to continue to do that, to, to be that third defenseman, to help uh, prevent the other team from getting in there on the forward check and helping the Flames break out of the defensive zone, but uh, maybe limit the higher risk plays like the one we saw in, in that uh, overtime win on Thursday night, uh, like the two attempts we saw at the empty net uh, during that road trip, and uh, just uh, stick to what you're good at. I'm okay with the two empty net attempts, just because given the score in the <laughs> game at the time, like you had a little bit of a cushion there that you could work with, and if it didn't they work out funny. for you, you'd be okay. And yeah, to your point, Patrick, it was a little humorous, won't lie. Not so much a fan of the Charlie Coyle pickoff one from the Boston Bruins game on Thursday night. I think that he needs to set more of an intention in his mind and maybe just have a quick quick look, pardon me, to your left or your right and see that, you know, if you just play it off the boards back in the neutral zone, if it's a turnover, that's fine because you're going to have one guy that's offside and you're going to have at least three or four Flames teammates back at that point by the time you turn it over. But for me, I'm okay with him playing the puck because as you say, Willsie, when he keeps it simple and when he has a direct play in mind, whether it's just going over to one defenseman or the other for a quick breakout. It's seamless most of the time. It's 
when he gets a little adventurous for me that I kind of like, oh, if you could yeah. just dial that back a little bit, I'd be more okay with it. But at the end of the day, like in terms of sample size, and I know, um, I imagine this conversation came up last year against the Montreal Canadiens when he really ventured out of his net and really didn't have an intention and ended up just sprawling instead trying to take the puck away. But I'm okay with the risk reward as long as he's setting an intention with what he's trying to do instead of kind of not even sure exactly what he was doing on the Charlie Coyle one other than trying to put it 15 feet over everybody's head. Guys, I honestly had zero problem with the coil. And, 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 and yes, in a bubble, you have a problem with it because he made the wrong last-second decision putting it up the middle and it ended up in the back of the Flames net. Like, yes, it was the wrong decision, but when I look at this as a bigger-picture thing, I don't want Jacob Markstrom to change a single thing about how he handles the puck. And the reason I say that if, is, is because... I don't, I, and I, I'm not talking about the two of you, but I just think overall, I don't know if there is enough appreciation as to how high level that part of his game is. Well, ask you, his defenseman. You talk to his D-man, you talk to Jason LaBarbera or Jordan Sigalet. Jace, uh, uh, Jacob Markstrom is one of the top one, two, or three puck handling defensemen in the NHL. And Goalies. Will, sorry, uh, he's, he would probably be decent for a defenseman for uh, one of the one top two or three puck handling goaltenders in the national hockey league. And Wilsey, to your point about Mike Smith, Mike Smith was very gifted at it, but made poor decisions way too often. How many times does Jacob Markstrom in the course of a season compared to the good decisions really make one that ends up costing the flames dearly? Yes. Thursday against Boston for sure. And, and, you know, he had to clean up a couple of his messes in overtime. He made some of those <laughs> stops of his own volition because he made a, a couple of interesting decisions, but Jacob's mindset of always being ready to do it. I don't want that to change. And if he can learn a little bit from the Montreal one that you mentioned, Vix or, or the Charlie Coyle one against the Bruins. And the next time he goes out to challenge on a partial break like that, he just fires it to the side. If he learns from it, great. If he doesn't, and one goal ends up in Calgary's net last uh, next year because of the same thing, I'm fine with that because even more so than Mike Smith, and this was such a debate and such a conversation with him, I think to a much larger degree with Jacob, the amount that he subtly helps you, but the impact that he makes with his outlet passes. I mean, Derek, you've talked about how his... um. He's leading the league in assists yeah. on goaltenders. Poor, isn't you know, the, it? Poor the way that he helps him yeah. break out, the way that he breaks up cycles, the way that he is able to keep pucks or help keep pucks away from opposing teams on dump-ins. Like, it's, 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 it, it's at such a high level. He's 34 years old. I don't want him starting to get in his head about not doing it. I want him to shake off what happened against the Bruins and say, oh, well, screwed up that one, do the same next time, and just keep on doing exactly the same thing that he's doing because I have come to appreciate over the last couple of years at such a high level, even last year when he was struggling, is how good he is at that particular skill of being a goaltender. So, yeah, personally, I don't want to see anything change, even if one or two directly ends up in Calgary's net because of a aggressive decision here and there. Yeah, and I didn't have a problem with him coming out of his net against the Bruins on Thursday night. When he came out of the net to, to try to get to that puck first, he made the decision, didn't second-guess himself, and he got there ahead of the guy who he was trying to beat to that puck, and I believe that was Brad Marchand. It was, yep. 
The problem was, is when he got there, and again, it's easy for us to say after watching a bunch of replays in slow motion, but it happened so much faster for the players down on the ice. He had to make a quick decision and he had to make the right decision. And unfortunately, he made the wrong decision, put a pizza right up the middle of the ice, right under the, the stick of Charlie Coyle and the puck wound up in the back of the Flames net. But Pat, I think you said if you clear that off to the side, chances are it doesn't result in a goal against. And we're all applauding him for uh, making the decision and sticking to it and getting to the puck ahead of Marchand and uh, taking uh, a scoring chance away from the Bruins. So, uh, again, he's been really, really good playing the puck uh, from the trapezoid. Uh, I'll stress that. Uh, and, again, whether it's just him setting up for a defenseman behind the net or making a short pass or if he doesn't have an outlet, just clearing it off the boards or off the glass to help the Flames get out, he's really, really good at that. So don't stop doing that uh, because chances are if he does, then it's going to lead to the Flames spending more time in the defensive zone and mm-hmm. him having to make even more saves. It is our Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek Wills with us, uh, Aaron Vickers and Pat Steinberg on this Friday. Okay, we're getting set for round three of this year's four-round regular season Battle of Alberta, Saturday night at Rogers Place in Edmonton. Gents, dating back to the playoffs of 2022 when the Oilers uh, pulled off the gentleman's sweep or whatever you call it, um, they won the last four games of that series, games two through five. So since game two of the second round series between these two teams, the Flames have lost eight of their last nine head-to-head games against the Oilers. The only win came in last year's season opener. Um, What is going to be important to start reversing that trend where the Flames have gone one and eight against the Oilers in their last nine? What's going to start to reverse that trend for the Flames starting on Saturday night? Well, we just uh, spent a bunch of time talking about Jacob Arkstrom, and for me, it starts with him. Because if he had played in games two, three, four, and five of that uh, Battle of Alberta uh, a couple of years ago in the Stanley Cup playoffs, like he played throughout the regular season and like he played in the first round versus the Stars, then I think the Flames probably win that series. But you now the Flames, even though they won game one, what was it, nine to six? Uh, they kind of beat the orders at their own game. Uh, the orders still built up their confidence offensively in that loss. And uh, Jacob Markstrom, I thought, struggled for the remainder of the series. And uh, last season, we talked about uh, the orders potentially being in his head after what happened in that playoff series. And I think there could be something to that. Um, so it starts with him. He has to be the better of the two goaltenders on the ice, assuming he gets the start in uh, Saturday's Battle of Alberta up at Rogers Place at Edmonton. So he's the the starting point for me. He's been the Flames' best player this season, and I think if they're going to beat the Oilers on Saturday night, he'll have to probably be their best player in that game. Beyond that, it's funny, guys, because when I take a look look at the first two games of the season series, going into them, I I remember talking about the importance of playing as much five-on-five hockey as you can. You don't want to give the Oilers power plays. Their power play was the best in the league last season. Of course, it's been good again this season. Not record-setting like last season, but still really dangerous. You, you can't put them on the power play a bunch. But the Oilers rolled for four in the power play in their two games against the Flames this season, and they found a way to win both of those games. So that's one thing. And then I also talked a lot about, well, you got to shut down the two big guys. You have to limit the damage that Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid do. Well, those two guys were pretty good at the Heritage Classic at Commonwealth Stadium back on October 29th. 
I think Drysaddle had two assists and McDavid had one assist in that 5-2 Oilers win. But for me, that's doing a pretty good job of limiting the damage those two guys do. If you can hold these two guys to three points between them, I think you give yourself a chance to win the game. And then if you fast forward to game two of the season series on January 20th, the Flames did a fantastic job versus numbers 29 and 97, who didn't have a point between them. But the Oilers still found a way to win that hockey game 3-1. Now, at that time, the Oilers were really starting to tighten up defensively. They've loosened up a little bit defensively of late. So we'll see if there's still that buy-in now that they're uh, well removed from that coaching change that really seemed to get them going uh, as far as the defensive side of things went. But, guys, you have to limit the damage that Drysaddle and McDavid do. That hasn't changed, even though they've done that and they still haven't won a game in the season series. Uh, You have to spend uh, as much time playing five-on-five or five-on-four as opposed to four-on-five as you can. And then I think you have to beat the orders with your depth. Roll four lines, roll three pairings, have the better of the two goaltenders. That's the recipe for success for me. But, hey, the orders are a good hockey team. So the Flames could step out of the ice at Rogers Place on Saturday night and play a good game and still lose that game. I thought they played a pretty good game when the two teams met at Scotiabank Saddledome back in January and still lost 3-1. So, for me, those are the keys, and uh, they really haven't changed for a number of years. Yeah, I'll echo the sentiment of having to beat them with their depth, and the Oilers are going to have the luxury of last change, so you're not always going to be able to automatically match Michael Backlund against Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl centering his own line, so you're going to need probably Nazem Kadri's group to do a really good number against them at the same time. Ryan Huska doesn't have last change, so it's going to really fall on the Sharon Govich line and the Rooney line to match up well on top of that. And just to echo your point, if and when it is Markstrom as the starter, he's got to outplay Stuart Skinner, who hasn't had a great run post All Star break. Are we not going to get Pickard on Saturday? I believe Pickard's going against Minnesota okay. Friday night, which would leave, in theory, Skinner going Skinner Saturday. Going Skinner's got a 385 goals against average and an 871 save percentage since the All Star break. Not ideal numbers, and we know at the start of this season they weren't getting goaltending. And by the way, you are correct. It is Pickard Perfect. against the Wild on Friday night. Under Knobloch pre-All-Star break, the Edmonton Oilers were second in the league in save percentage, but post-All-Star break, the Oilers have fallen back down to 30th. So if you can take advantage of some quote-unquote shaky goaltending of late from the Edmonton Oilers, and you have Jacob Markstrom firing on all cylinders like we've seen him this week against the Winnipeg Jets and the Boston Bruins, could shape up well for the Flames. Look, I mean, I actually don't... Honestly, guys, if they can play similarly to the way they played the last time they played the Oilers, I, I think that they just fine. Like I, I, I didn't really, to your point, Willsey, I didn't really have a problem at all in that three-one loss with Calgary's effort. It was just kind of like, well, the Oilers were just a little bit better, and um, they deserved that win. They held the Flames to one goal. They didn't really give up a whole lot. And they came away with the victory. Um, I thought that that was a night that uh, Vladar started. So I, I'm, I'd be curious to see if, you know, what Markstrom has coming off the game. He just played against the Bruins. What what do we see from Jacob if indeed he does get the start against the Oilers? And honestly, at, at some point, like that, if, if Jacob's going to stay a member of the Flames, the Oilers' narrative is going to have to end eventually. That can't just continue to be something that we talk about. And well, you can't play him against the Oilers like that. That can't go on in perpetuity. So, um, yeah, I think that the blueprint they had against them the last time out pretty solid. And if you can 
come close to that, you give yourself a chance. And if you give yourself a chance, I think that a lot of people will be just fine with their chances, especially with how you know some of the other things have gone here over the last little bit. Yeah, uh, I guess another key for me would be uh, don't show up for the game in the outfits that you did uh, prior to the Heritage Classic. Uh, those didn't work very well. Fun police. Um, <laughs> oh, I'll never forget uh, how my Twitter blew up after I posted uh, a video of the guys coming in wearing those outfits. Uh, I decided to delete it because I was getting too much uh, heat on that one. But uh, don't do that. But the other thing is the orders at least I think, they're a little bit deeper team now than they've been in quite some time. And I talked about how the Flames have done a pretty good job against Drysaddle and McDavid in the first couple of games of the season series, and the Oilers have still skated to 5-2 and 3-1 wins. Well, it's been kind of that second level of players that's really uh, driven the boss for them in those two games. So Zach Hyman's been fantastic. Uh, it pains me to say it, but so has Evander Kane. And I think the Oilers uh, are better at using their depth now than they've been in, in a long time when in the past they had to rely on two, three, four guys uh, to really carry the mail for them. So they're a little bit deeper team than they used to be. But I do think the Flames have an advantage in goal. And I do think they have an advantage when it comes to the schedule. You know, it's pretty rare for a team to, to go to a city. The Flames flew to Edmonton today and be there to, to watch the other team play, whether that be uh, I'm sure the managers and coaches will actually be at Rogers place for that game tonight. And uh, I'm sure some of the players will watch it on television. So it's kind of rare to be in a city where your next opponent is playing and you're just sitting there watching them play and getting geared up for the game the next day. So try to take advantage of the fact that it's uh, a quick turnaround and a back-to-back for the orders on Saturday night. Uh, but the flames, uh, again, I didn't mind them in that three, one loss at Scotiabank saddled on back on January 20th. So you bring that type of game to the ice and are a little bit more opportunistic, uh, then I like their chances to, to win a third straight game uh, on Saturday night. All right, Wilsey, uh, have yourself a great weekend. Appreciate it as always. Okay, have a great weekend, everybody. He is Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Daily Flames Roundtable on this Friday. It's brought to you, as always, by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The fastest-growing segment of vehicles they sell is electric. Informed buyers are coming to see. Perhaps you should discover why. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. It is Steinberg and Vickers. As we start to wrap up this hour on Flames Talk, uh, Aaron's on Twitter at AA Vickers, and this hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Simplify your life with a security ecosystem. Go to calgarylockandsafe.com to request a security audit and get a tailored solution.